0: Oh, all that was to look up Little John on the East Side, boys. What?
1: That was your reason for trying to fire up Chrome. Yeah. I think it was. <laughs> i i don't know about you, but I've moved away from Chrome. I'm starting to feel like yeah, de- degoogling my life is the way to go. What's your What's your yeah. opinion about that?
0: Yeah, I—you know—I've been using Firefox more. I set Firefox as like my default browser. I, I feel like it's hard for me to change apps like as a deliberate act, but if it's the default mm-hmm. thing, it really—I don't mm, even think—I right. don't think about it that much.
1: The Google ecosystem, yeah. ecosystem, ecosystem certainly makes things easier. It really does. Yeah, they get you. But I tried, for example, switching my default search bar to DuckDuckGo. Same. Yep. And uh, that feels good. Yep. And it's it's not like it costs you anything to do it, but yeah, just the, um, especially when you have the unified, uh, URL bar or whatever they call that thing. Yeah. You got to remind yourself that you're always doing Google searches. For sure. Just sending it out into some kind of like default generic search.
0: Yeah. Do you know this Chrome extension, uh, go fucking work?
1: <laughs> no. Is it like a time management thing?
0: Yeah. It just throws the F word around. Like that's the, that's the value proposition. <laughs> it's like you can see the word, the F word all over the place.
1: But like um, go, go the fuck to sleep equivalent.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, but it's pretty good. I don't think it actually prevents me. Like, never has made me be like, "Oh, I opened up Gmail and I should be doing something else." But it does make me think about the act of working more deliberately. You know, so mm-hmm. that's handy.
1: So, so wait, did you describe what this thing actually does?
0: Oh, oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. It blocks. Um, <laughs> you put. <laughs> you put.
1: Uh, anyway, it says "fuck a lot." <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: That's kind of all it does. But no, it um, it's an extension, and it uh, you can list uh, domain names you want it to block. But then you you can right click on the browser extension icon and like set it to pause if you want. you can also set up time zones so you can be like don't don't let me go to Gmail from nine a m to three p m or something like that if right. you want to
1: do that It's funny how complicated it gets trying to get to a fairly essential thing it like, is don't go to that website yeah it's you know, really really be, bad i've seen I've seen an alarm clock that you can set up and hook up to the ethernet and it'll Donate money to a cause that you hate oh. every time you <laughs> press the snooze That's, button.
0: Yikes! Like the Heritage Foundation or something. Like
1: ah. I don't know that one. What, what are they? I mean, I can take a guess based on the name, but
0: uh, Heritage Foundation, a trusted conservative leader.
1: There's a website called Generatorland.com, and on it, there's a think tank name generator. Ooh! And I, I got Dream Public Citizens. That's great. Center for Heritage Public. There's Heritage for you. Generatorland. What is it called? Citizens for Prosperity Development. Uh, it's called generatorland.com. There's a Guy Fieri menu generator. There's a pirate name generator.
0: Oh, I, the Think Tank name generator gave me National Bureau of Research for a New Future.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. yeah.
0: Conservative so, Rob, Opportunity Economy Studies. Okay, I'm done. I, <laughs>
1: you're welcome. Rob, um, we, uh, we've been having trouble getting our podcast made yes for example you've sort of mentioned in passing a little bit one of the most incredible maker projects you've been involved in the ventilator project ah yeah with Mm -hmm. with jpl right is that Mm -hmm. something that you want to talk about in more depth on the podcast or do you want to put it behind you and get back to making stuff that doesn't matter to other people (laughs) and i mean that you and me both i mean
0: yeah sure yes i spent a a good chunk of the coronapocalypse uh like very very immersed in working on the jet propulsion labs um ventilator two two models of ventilator one is a compressor unit and one is uh uh oh my god i'm losing my mind a non-compressor version pneumatic is what it's called and uh yeah that's just been all consuming all the time right made all the other parts of my life Diminished in some way. Uh, but I finally came out the other side pretty recently, and that's been good. Super immersive, long time projects. They like take a, they have, it's like you rang a bell, you know, the ring just keeps going even though they're done. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Ventilator Project is super cool. It's a licensable project, and uh, there is some sort of vetting for the licensees, but there's been quite a few people who have gone through the licensing process, both nationally and internationally. They're all medical device kind of companies which is a whole interesting world to learn about all these like little sort of pseudo mom and pop companies who have really specialized in navigating the medical world in order to create different things like prosthetics or equipment or whatnot
1: so so they would be manufacturers that are licensing the jpl yeah design? that's right mm-hmm. and do they have to do they have to pay for that
0: nope nope uh that's great yeah yeah it's really cool it's smart because the jpl doesn't make doesn't mass produce objects, right? Like we just, we make (laughs) one-offs, like that's our Mm -hmm. whole thing. But also, you know, some amount of support is just necessary. Like if someone is going to make the thing, you're going to end up getting questions and stuff. So, Mm -hmm. um, I wasn't in these meetings, but I think the decision was if we license it, you know, we can kind of figure out who we want to work with and then
1: they take care of the support. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So how did that feel kind of making something that had, and, and correct me if I'm wrong here, I'll make assumptions about your project, mm-hmm. but yeah. I feel like it had effectively zero conceptual content, yes. right? Because it's like, yeah, that dude can't breathe. Uh-huh. So make, make a thing that makes that untrue. Mm-hmm. And that is the beginning and end of it. Although I, I suppose the sort of, I mean, is it technically open source or is that not, not the term that's used here? It is
0: not the term that's used. Um, like we made a... Uh, pretty cool like kind of operator like a kind of website and stuff and we did training materials for uh both the licensees and people we perceive to be like the end users like um a person called a respiratory therapist is uh Mm. they work in an icu and they do they do they like operate the ventilator like doctors don't really operate or in some cases nurses might do a couple things you know that kind of thing Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's not open source, uh, in that way, but it is, uh, I think it's weird because it's also some of the parts, like as many of the parts as possible are meant to be obtained from outside the, um, kind of flow of medical devices, you know? So a lot of piece parts, you know, components get made kind of with a specific industry in mind. And so, um, the design tried to stay outside of those streams as much as possible because there would be an assumed shortage on those parts already.
1: Yeah, that's cool.
0: Yeah. And so, and also, a lot of those components aren't available globally. You know, they might be available in the United States or in Europe, but not in other countries.
1: Oh, so I guess that's why it's kind of boxy and stock looking, right?
0: It's also designed to be really low cost and somewhat temporary. So there isn't that rigor applied to the device, like for splash tests or something like that um uh which if you were if it was going to like hang out at you know senior sinai or something for a number of years then it would be a different kind of device and it got a special fda classification for the oh, pandemic cool. it didn't get it doesn't have the like um thing that you would norm that it didn't go through the normal process that you would go through for mm-hmm. um, a medical device
1: wow yeah Jeez, that's awesome yeah i mean it's so it's so i know you were working on this but it's just so cool to hear you talk about it yeah yeah thanks yeah
0: you know it's funny because I you know I work as a designer, and I I often try to think about the difference between art and design. And I think my own personal difference between the two is is I feel like my design practice is around creating clarity, right? Like it's around making things understandable and clear to as many people as possible, with a focus on um, really understanding who the user is and stuff. And like I feel like my art making practice is about is more about asking questions you know um opacity yeah or just like like creating wonder or inspiring someone to travel down a path they wouldn't normally travel down and so in a way like art making and design feel really opposite to me even though they're both quote-unquote creative practices you know
1: geez that's i think that's the closest i've ever gotten to agreeing that art and design are separate as opposed to uh-huh, uh-huh. designers just being really uptight artists.
0: Yeah, right. Part of A part of creativity is bending towards and away from those uh, pillars of thought, right? Like, like I do think, you know, certainly a, an artist can use design approaches to ask questions, right? And part of being a designer is asking, is provoking thought and questions. But I think for me, it's towards the goal of creating clarity as opposed to maybe Uh leaving it more open-ended or something um, at the end. So, yeah. So the ventilator was very much like I'm on a call that's interviewing lots of people who are, you know, kind of medical practitioners, you know, and like in various stripes and then uh, just really figuring out what they want and kind of what,
1: what's understandable, legible to them on the UI. I know you had, there are a ton of people on this project, but Mm -hmm, can mm -hmm. you give me an example of where like you had an idea, um, and i'm not trying to get you to to lay claim but like oh this was my thing. Sure. but i'm just curious to sort of hear about your notion of where you had a really specific impact in the project, you personally.
0: Yeah, yeah, sure. So i i was the lead designer on the user interface panel on the front panel. Uh so what that just to kind of paint that picture a little bit. That means like i could make suggestions or asks for you know button placement or like maybe even the type of button used you know um and and one of the design constraints uh technically was all of the ui components are soldered into the board so they're not on ribbon cables or something so Uh if you wanted to move a button that's like a board redesign you know which would which sucks but but at the same time and i think it took us 37 days to get to the design or something like that so once we had it in place then like i had a big constraint of like i I can't this button can't be moved
1: wow so so why was that decision made just because it reduces part count and improves um uh, or there's like less opportunities for a cable to come loose or something or what's the issue part
0: part count and just like simplicity of like you can Mm -hmm. get the board made get it populated and really like screw the board and you know right, two or three screws your
1: ui is done you know Um, i love how this thing looks too it's got it's got such a great like old school it's like a soviet um yeah bomb detonator or something we made a couple of decisions around
0: that like uh powder coating for example Mm -hmm. i wanted the device to be powder coated um because the gla- uh we can you can control the glare somewhat with powder coating. You can mm. sort of pick your um gloss level. Mm-hmm. Um where if it was just uh, uh like un, untreated aluminum or steel or something, it would be the glare would be worse and we kind of don't know where the device is going to be used whether that's going to be in a hospital or in a you know uh, gymnasium or, or on a street, boat, yeah. Yeah, but right. exactly. Yeah. So um you know, so, and certainly powder coating is easy to clean, which is good. Um, mm-hmm. and Plus you know, it
1: doesn't show up the dirt as bad. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And like it looks good. Or yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, so it's sort of that balance between easy to clean. Um, and that was a, a big issue, particularly when you have, are dealing with the virus. Um, and then, uh, also yeah, easy to wipe down and also pretty easy to read. Uh, so yeah, we went with the, the white, white sort of mid gloss powder coat. Um, and then, you know, there's constraints like color constraints from the print you know whoever is going to run your your um front panels if you do spot color you've got a pretty limited color palette where if you do digital you've got you know any combination you kind of want to do the the biggest thing i had like one night essentially to do 80 percent of the (laughs) build out you know of like where everything's going to go and so Mm -hmm. i was just like ransacking the web and every book i had trying to find things that stood out to me and the thing that really jumped out to me was i was just like who do, who who has to deal with this like who has to deal with low light situations who has to deal with too bright situations who is trying to make adjustments in a panicky situation like just trying to think through like what is a representative user for this that's mm-hmm. where this work's already been done and what jumped out to me was me, um musicians on stage you know like they <laughs> they can't see either they're in a spotlight or it's black right so right you have a lot of really bad lighting conditions you know they've they probably had one or two beers and so their <laughs> vision is not so good right so you need oh, you need to know like and you know uh, a lot of people sort of compare staying up all night or a couple nights in a row to that kind of impairment around drinking mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. i was like oh why not um that, that seems like a valuable constraint, you know, is like you, you don't have your wits about you. Your text needs to really pop in a way that works.
1: It's an example of why you need a diversity of thought and yes. origin of your creatives and stuff, because, totally. yeah. you know, if, if all you had to remark upon was a really buttoned down EE background or something, you know, the fact that you can also speak to the kind of like been up for three days and how that relates to different kinds of impairment is just so great. <laughs> yeah. And where like a
0: medical device designer might, might already be thinking about a number of these things, but just has like a different set of arrows in their quiver, right. Than than uh-huh. I would. And so, um, yeah, it was, it's it, but it was also totally scary because it's like, I'm going to show this thing. I'm going to mock up the UI and then show it to a conference call. And then just have uh-huh. people who use these things just blast it, you know? Um, unfortunately most of them got it you know there was a few things we had to tweak but what kind of stuff did you tweak like text labeling right like just making sure it's the thing that the whatever you call it is the thing that the person's already used to seeing Mm -hmm. and then one of the original designs and this is a testament to the, the jpl team also like one of the the original designs had this assumption being made where you would sort of push a button and go into a like a like a meta key you know you would hold the button and then you would do a thing and then you would let off the button. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was universally disliked by everybody we talked to. And what was really cool is it took everybody like four seconds to be like, okay, we're not doing that. Like, <laughs> like
1: yep, that's so, cool.
0: Like, even though it created um, a lot of rework on the firmware side and stuff, mm-hmm. um, y- if it sucks, it sucks. You know, you're like, you can't just be like, well, too bad. I mean, you could because you're like, we got to get this thing done. And, you know, sometimes that happens. But it was nice to for the team just to be like, okay.
1: Why, d- why didn't they like it? That uh, type of interface? It takes two hands. Um, mm, right. is a big one.
0: And also, um, just a lot of other machines don't have that. Like, if you push it once instead of pushing to hold, and you don't have any feedback that n- nothing is happening, that you're just, mm-hmm. like, stuck, you know? Um, mm. Which was great feedback to hear. Like, oh, yeah, right. That makes total sense. It was funny because that also gets into... Um, there's a lot of, in the, you know, in the synthesizer world and stuff, there's a, there's this concept called menu diving that a lot of people don't like. You have to constantly be looking at the screen and understanding what mode you're in, in order for the knob to make any sense.
1: Uh
0: There was good pushback on that. And I thought that was really good to sort of make things as single function as possible.
1: And then what does, uh, what does the button with the red and white stripes do?
0: Oh, I love that you asked that question. Um, I'm I'm here for you, baby. What do you think it does based (laughs) on what you see?
1: Well, it's in the alarm column, and yep. I I can't really read it very well. in, in that's even even the, better,
0: even better. Yeah, good.
1: Um, it's in the alarm column, so I'm assuming you press it when there's an alarm going off to you got to it. let it know you're responding. Yep, yep. Oh, dude, I'm halfway to my medical degree. That's right, that's right. Hey, Rob, what do you call the person that graduates last in their med school class? Doctor. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't hear that. That's a I've, classic. I've definitely had some of those. Oh, um, <laughs> well, me too, man. Yeah. The, the doctor I went to most recently, he he gave me what I thought was an, an unusually painful version of a procedure. Ooh. And when I asked him about it, he was like, well, maybe I just taught you not to go to the doctor when you don't really need to. What? <laughs> yeah. And then, and I didn't go back to him. That's oh my gosh. Sure. Anyway, I have a, I have it, a dental yeah.
0: hygienist who I think is definitely... Um,
1: either just
0: slipping because they've done it for a very long time Mm -hmm. or or is just unusually cavalier about what they
1: do 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 they Uh, um, do they floss you extra hard
0: i i'm already that by the time flossing gets into it i'm already uh i feel like i'm already damaged
1: um (laughs) why do you keep going back to that person i don't know (laughs) i don't know Uh, (laughs) i'm I'm picturing like a bill murray and little shop
0: of horrors here i think i like my dentist i like i like I like his I like everything about him, and so yeah. but you know the dentist you took like one of the things you realize like you don't really see the dentist that much only if there's a problem you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh, but my dental hygienist is uh is pretty brutal
1: i I went to the dentist, yeah, similarly, I have a place that I like, and i'm I'm quite overdue. I was supposed to go like on day one of the lockdown uh-huh, um, and so hopefully my teeth are not falling out, but there was one time I went and Uh, I would always brush my teeth before going to the dentist, but it never really occurred to me to floss immediately before going uh to the dentist. uh uh And so now I certainly do that, but this was after I'd figured that out. And so the guy was flossing my teeth and it just felt like he was just jamming it down and was sort of making comments the whole time about how I wasn't good enough at it. And it really Uh, hurt. uh And so, you know, partway through, I just said, look, you really have to stop and that's too hard. And I'm sure you can find a way to do that. That doesn't hurt that much. And then he was like, okay, whatever. And then the next time I had him, he was really good. Oh, that's um, good. So, get consider it. Just let him know like good point. Yep. Maybe that's just maybe it's just my mouth here, but that actually really hurts. Yeah. And and I think that I think they would be surprised and back off, you know.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think it took me a while to understand that like where my teeth meet my gum shouldn't be like an open wound. <laughs> <You
1: know? laughs> in general or or when you come back from the uh, In dentist? general, in general, yeah. Wow, is your, was your mouth that uh, um, aggravated? I used to not go there? to
0: the dentist very much, and so it was always uh, like bleeding gums and stuff. And so uh, I, used, I see. Yeah, it's like, oh, that should just be like more like skin than it should be like a yeah, like requiring yeah. stitches or something.
1: Well, it's, it's an interesting part of the body that's sort of yeah, open and not open at the same time. Like you know, your teeth are just kind of sitting in there, right? They're not really it's not like it's bone hooked to bone or Isn't anything. Isn't that weird? Yeah. It's super weird. Yeah. Yeah. I, I went once and they were trying to get my, I got a filling and the guy would grind and I'd say, I can still kind of feel it. And he'd do it again, do it again, do it again. And it just happened so many times. I was finally like, it's fine. And then I went home and, you know, I could still really feel it back there. And I just sort of waited it out. And then a couple of weeks later, it eventually went away. And then the next time I went to the dentist, he said, oh, yeah, you really got to keep after me because that's actually the tooth like sitting down lower now, you know, so you just kind of like bit it and bit it until it moved around in that little socket. And that's that's crazy to me. Like You think of your teeth as being a bone and the notion that it's sort of like just floating around is super weird. That is weird. Yeah. Did you ever knock any teeth? Oh, you knocked some teeth at skateboarding, right?
0: Yeah, I've broken them. I've never knocked knocked one out, but I've broken three. Oh, nice. Sucks. (laughs) sucks.
1: <laughs> so, so I got, speaking of a menu or what was the term again? Oh, uh, Menu diving. Yeah. Menu diving. I, I got you really far away from, so indeed you were, you were going to remark upon that stripey alarm button. Yeah. That was the design decision on my part. Um, uh-huh. it's
0: stripey and I made it stripey because the mm-hmm. alarm off is the button that every, everybody said was the most important because the alarm, there's like, multiple conditions to why the alarm can go off and so it's going off all the time and so they all said like whatever you do make the alarm button as big as you can and (laughs) obvious and so so there's a couple things one is like you could make it big and red right but someone might think that's the power off button you know the power button and so even though it says alarm by it and so i wanted it to be i wanted to complicate it in a way to To make it stick in your brain, like once you've used it, like, oh, it's the stripey one, you know, like Mm -hmm. once you've done it once once or twice, it it then becomes very obvious about what it is.
1: Well, when is there ever a stripey button? Right. Like, exactly. It's the stripey button. Yeah. (laughs)
0: Yeah. So I wanted it to be kind of agitated and weird and also not look at all like a power button because it's roughly the same size as the other button. So it doesn't have a lot of physical differentiation other than uh, the screen printing around the outside.
1: Well, the way you handle it on and off is interesting, too, with the little there's a half red and half green stripe yes i I, because i actually had to think about that for a second like once i um and of course it just says on and off right on it but i had i hadn't seen on off presented um graphically in that way before that's an interesting solution
0: yeah and you you know there's the sort of classic um iso icon for on off it's like a it's like a circle with a line through it
1: Mm, right yeah a vertical line near the top Yeah.
0: yeah and that was the that's another thing. Like that was the button I wanted to put there was mm-hmm. a backlit illuminated on off button. We weren't able to do that. And so, um, we may, it may be, it may be in there now, but there was definitely a lot of back and forth about not being able to poss- not being able to do that, but it might be there now. I can't remember.
1: Yeah. I think I'm looking at a prototype image. Is it, is it, and is not, it in there? Not for use on humans.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yep. And is the, is the on off button? Does it have that ISO icon on the button? The on/off. No. Okay. Yeah. Not that I can tell. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So, do you see? It's like slightly offset there, maybe on the lower left-hand corner mm-hmm. of the display. So originally there was a press. So there's a, you press to hold for five seconds to turn it off. And mm-hmm. what I wanted was a four LED countdown. So you press mm-hmm. it and it and it counts you down like d d d d, and then you're off. You know. Mm-hmm. But it was too gnarly to. Get those light, those are light pipes those uh, leds down the left hand side and so it was just too gnarly to get all that stuff done and so i i made a hole there so if it ever did come back in the design it would fit there but um, <laughs> but so there's like a little bit of it's a little bit offset which makes me um slightly crazy but yeah so i wanted that on off again like if you're uh if you're like color constrained in the red uh green spectrum which most people are if they're colorblind i wanted it to look on off even if it's not red green um mm-hmm. And to be sort of you know weirded a little bit down the left hand side, so you know knew what it was.
1: Wow, killer, dude. Yeah, thanks. I feel like we could do multiple episodes on <laughs> me just asking you questions about this thing. <laughs> it's so rad. It's
0: really weird to work on a hardware thing. It's not a thing I do all day, every day. And so mm-hmm. it's like, oh yeah, this is uh, it's gonna go to the printer, or whatever. That's a, such a scary feeling that you can't just you know bug fix the typo in right. a you know in a Git commit or whatever. <laughs> so it was really cool hanging out with hardware nerds too, like the rigor that some of those people apply to just testing and stuff. You're like, Oh my God, I am totally out of my league. You know, like (laughs) just staring at an oscilloscope for hours, like tweaking, 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 tweaking in order to like squeeze efficiency out of a thing or something was really cool to see.
1: Well, I think there's people that really feel they, they get off with the thing sort of um, being right, and being mm-hmm. as yes. efficient or yep. um, high tolerance or whatever is possible. Yep. And that's that's never really been my thing. Same. Well, I don't know. Same. I mean, I, yeah. I, I think over time, like, <laughs> so one good example, I mean, this is going to sound like I'm tooting my own horn. I don't mean it that way. But this project I've talked about in the past on the podcast where I was building this sled that would move a, a television around and show slices of an image. You know, so normally, right, when... I work in this sort of new media space, and I'm assuming it's the case with you, but you tell me you kind of like parting yourself from this expectation that the thing's going to work exactly right. And you're like, oh, this is like where the artist's hand is, right? So this sort sure. of yeah. unexpected thing happens, or you get like a light leak or a smear or whatever. But then I built this thing and it just worked exactly right. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> so, wow. You know, so, and it, it was over a long period of time. I mean, I think I was working on that for a couple of years, kind of on and off doing this and that. But there's really no, extra material there's just a little tiny tiny bit of light bloom so you you can tell that it's not just a digital rendering like it's clear that there's something sort of physical happening yeah yeah although i had expected there to be more to it be more of like a grungy product Uh Um, Uh and so in a way that was almost to the to the work's detriment Um, so it sounds like a bit of a humble brag but I, i think what i'm trying to get at is the expectations we have around our engineering like what's it for And I don't know, man, because like, that's not really what interests you, right? This project is super cool, but are you excited to get back to a space that doesn't require such specificity?
0: Yes, yeah, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I thought your your point is a good one in that, like, um, I mean, I think almost everything I do, my knowledge and ability only meets about fifty percent of what's in my head. You know, right? Sure. Um, And I love that. Like, that's the thing. It's like, it's like, I feel alive. You know, it's like the thing you're just like, yeah, (laughs) but, uh, but it's also really grueling and weird just to be like, I have no idea how to get this done where this was like much more about like, it has to be done and it has to be done perfectly. Sure really focusing on that where you can put your expertise and when someone else should just handle something,
1: you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you can genuinely say, I know this little tiny corner. Yeah. Really yep. well. Yeah. Yep. Well, Rob, moving, moving forward, right? Yeah. So you and I've been talking about what to kind of do with our podcast uh, yes. as we go along. And I yep. think we're finding one of the challenges is, you know, and a sort of core tenet of the project is to amplify uh, minority voices, people of yep. color, yep, uh, women, that disabled community, and, and so on, and just people not often well represented in the maker scene. Yeah, but we're also finding just in terms of time that it's just really hard to get the edit done yep. on a on a schedule once we have three people in the mix. I think audience, you know, we've been a little bit um, uh, irregular of late, and yes. it's something that we're working on and hopefully working on in response to actual feedback we're getting from people who listen so that we can occupy uh, the most useful space in terms of just kind of talking about whatever, because we feel like it. Although there's a little bit of that. Sure, yeah. I have a little. Yeah, yeah. So one of the things that I can talk about that I've been working on, I've got a whole bunch of materials incoming right now, so I finally just you know, even though I'm generally a pretty conservative person. I'm one of those people that plays a video game and I win and I have like 4,000 healing potions in my bag, you know, because what if I need it later? That's awesome. Um, But I I finally sort of broke down and just said, okay, I'm I'm just actually going to spend some money in getting some materials into the house because I'm having such a dearth of incoming inspiration and all that. So we get like, we got to make something Um, and this has coincided with me getting a bunch of sort of surprising. I got these two different cold calls or emails from electronics manufacturers asking me to do projects with their materials in exchange for, for, you know, advertising back to their um, Uh, business. uh uh So I've got like a bunch of stuff coming in through that, uh, which is on the way. And I built this 3d printer and so on, but I'm also starting to work on my, uh, courses that are going to run in the fall. Nice. And man the college landscape is just so fucked right now. <laughs> yeah. In terms of colleges are so freaked out they're going to be forced to close for financial reasons that a lot of them are just saying like, "Oh yeah, we're going to do, you know, in-person teaching." Yeah. And then they're just sort of putting off the decision on whether or not that's actually going to happen to the government. So they Oof. say, "Yes, we have a plan to teach in person." But, you know, ultimately if Laurie Lightfoot says we can't do it, we can't. So so the position that puts educators like me in Right. Is that we have to plan both to be on campus and to be virtual, like like both those things at the same time. Yeah. Um, And realistically, it means you have to plan your classes. So they're online proof and then hope that you can offer them in person just because, you know, we took these jobs to interact with people, of course. Okay, Yeah. Um, So it's it's just making me really up my game. I mean, I think my students will benefit Mm -hmm. because they're going to get even more, you know, carefully articulated materials. It's just been a real brain drain. But, um, so for example, in this sculpture class I'm teaching, you know, like getting everyone up to the 10th floor of this building is going to require that certain elevators go up and certain elevators go oh down. Yeah. You know, how many people can be in the space at once? Do you have yep. to actually make an appointment to teach, you know, to work in the shop? I mean, it's just, it's crazy that the amount of forethought it's going to require now. Um, so I'm trying to switch over to a lot of little projects that are uh, with little tools that aren't that expensive that you can take home if you have to. That's cool. Um, and so, for example, I've been researching um, felt sculpture. Have you ever checked out this scene at all? I, I have not. No. Huh? I, I may have sent you one or two of these links over mm-hmm. this week. Mm-hmm. I know that I've you can tell you've been selected as somebody I just text every time I think of something That's that great. I think is interesting. <laughs> I love it so much. So please don't stop. <laughs> yeah, this is, I'm sending this to you over Skype, but I found um, a couple of really amazing sculptors. So one of them is called uh, Paolo puck and, um, he makes stuff that it's, it's hard to describe. I mean, maybe you want to take a crack at it, but it's a lot so of these grotesque figures yeah. and I think they're, they're quite large. Like some of them are, you know, two feet wide. Um, and the felt, you know, it comes in every different color. He's really talented at blending colors into each other. So like a face might look like it has a sort of rosy cheek, but it's not yeah. just a, you know, graphic circle. That's um right. Even makes some kind of animated stuff. But his his stuff is just amazing. And um, there's also this other sculptor I was looking at named uh, Stephanie Metz, M-E-T-Z. I'll send you an example of hers as well. And I, I think in both cases, they're finding... You know, the material, of course, is organic in nature, but it's just like a ball of pear. And so you take this um, particular kind of needle and you jam it over and over again into a clump. And then the nature of the wool is such that it'll start to kind of weave together and stick into a denser and denser shape and then hold its form. Um, So you can make these sculptures just entirely out of wool with relatively few pieces of equipment. I think it just takes a lot of patience. Like you just got to sit there and do this over and over again. Um but my hope is that this is a kind of way where we can split the difference where i have a sculptural practice that i think is honestly really engaging and interesting to follow up on that can realistically be done at home it's something you can take on the train oh, yeah. and things like that but um, yeah yeah that's cool oh my god i've just been so spinning my wheels trying to <laughs> articulate this stuff in a way that doesn't feel like you know kind of the um uh, the runner up prize for a regular face to face class mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> These sculptures you sent of from Stephanie Metz are amazing. They're like fetal oh, yeah. unicorns in jars. So they're like, <laughs> yep. they look like biology, you know, specimens, but they're felted f- fetal animals. <laughs> it's really intense. That's well,
1: cool. if you scroll down too, there's this whole uh, segment of um, skulls for uh, stuffed animals, like s- teddy bear skulls. Oh, wow. That's really cool. And I feel like, man, there's just, if that was like a 3D print or something, I would just think, okay, whatever, juxtapose magazine, like it would Uh kind of write it off. Uh But I feel like (laughs) the way that it's felted gives it a sort of handmade quality. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. I mean, she's also just a super tight form maker. You know what I mean? Uh uh But do you agree that these would not be satisfying if they were just clay?
0: So felted objects look kind of flocked, right? They're they're kind of fuzzy Uh But, exactly. But then they also have such uh sh- like shape specificity to that. Like they don't look like a stuffed animal. They have a lot of curvature and shadow. Mhm. I'm seeing a thing that's kind of cute because it's fuzzy, but it's so specifically anatomically shaped, it like gets weird quick and then mm-hmm. and then it's also like a skull, which makes it even weirder and then it's like a a skull you, that you know probably doesn't exist in the world, which is also weird. It just like really has lots of layers to it that um make it really just, I just want to stare at them for 45 minutes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I just sent you a picture too. She also does a bunch of stuff with just inserting oh, quills, yeah. like animal quills into, um, yeah. I wonder if we can just reach out and try to get her to. Yeah, uh, it would be, it would be really good. Come around. But uh, yeah, so there's, so there's an example for the week here. Some people that I'm finding really engaging you all should check out yep and um we didn't do the intro either
0: we didn't do the intro uh here let me um i have to bring mine up on screen because it, how is this possible that after 84 episodes i can't remember what the <laughs> is? <gasps> okay here we go um
1: boop, boop, boop.
0: google docs the answer to all my problems and the cause of all my problems um okay Uh, Welcome to Opposable Thumbs, a podcast where Taylor and Rob tackle a new creative challenge and talk about our accomplishments, failures, and lessons learned. Oh, we didn't have a previous guest last time, though we did just release our episode with Jill Mustar. Who Jill Mustar's work is so rad, and his Instagram right now is on fire. So if you um, like the Jill Mustar episode, please go check out his Instagram because he's making these like amazing sunglasses and stuff, like out of non-sunglasses objects like hair combs and stuff yeah like it's almost like this personal grooming multi-tool it's like sunglasses and <laughs> then it turns into a hair like a hairbrush like they're really cool he
1: he really has social media figured out because mm-hmm. yeah there's just these little videos i think he made his sisters model them and then they told him they wouldn't do it anymore
0: ah that's funny
1: at least i think i read that comment somewhere that's in really Instagram, funny yeah
0: that's great yeah his work is so good uh oh so my name is robert i use he his gender pronouns and i'm a designer by day and an artist. All the rest of the time uh and i make music and objects using the name shimmering trash pile and i've been doing a few little music experiments under that moniker that aren't out yet but hopefully we'll be soon
1: oh yeah and i'm taylor hokinson i'm an artist educator diy enthusiast cad cam evangelist noted tall person full-time preschool teacher midwestern viking and i'm a he his kind of guy yes
0: you can find photos of our finished projects over at projects.opposablepodcast.com we also have links in our show notes and we post cool stuff over at our Instagram account, which is opposable underscore podcast. If you share a podcast episode on social media, rate us on iTunes. send smoke signals or some other cool thing to let people know about the podcast, we'll mail you a sticker. Just email us at opposablepodcast at gmail.com. We'd like to give a shout out to Wesley Alice, Charlie McBride, Adam Mayer, Deb Chatra, Blondie Hacks, Nick Kantar, Walter Katundu, and David Bellhorn. They're our top Patreon supporters. If you'd like to join them in our league of Patreon-supported madnessists, please go to patreon.com slash opposable thumbs to sponsor us. Anything you can donate really helps keep us going. And I wanted to just mention that two of our Patreon patrons uh, have upped their monthly contribution. and That's really nice. Um, So that's cool. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Uh, our podcast is dedicated to providing a harassment-free experience for everyone, regardless of race, gender, age, sexual orientation, disability, physical appearance, body size, knowledge of subject matter, or religious lack thereof. We actively support an inclusive environment, and we want you to be a part of it. Taylor, I do have one link to share, and then we'll we'll call it a call it a podcast.
1: Do it. And while you while you're looking, I'm going to call out the chore. Oh yes, please. Uh, here's a shout out to those of you who collect uh, writing implements in a shoebox, And then you have a, a million of them. And then you actually sit down one day with a blank piece of paper and just oh. test every single pen and throw like 75% of them away.
0: Really good. Really, really good. I was just doing that. Oof, that's re- that's a really good one.
1: Also, also, I want to shout out to the pink haired maker who posted an often, um, project. This is not a recipe book. Oh, um, which she, amongst other hashtags, it was um, possible underscore podcast and COVIDivities. Oh, nice. Uh, but she did this whole thing about making focaccia with, I think, an actual honest to goodness Polaroid. When do you see those anymore?
0: Oh, nice. That's cool.
1: Yeah. So carry carry on.
0: Oh, oh yeah. Okay. Two quick things. Um, one is called clacket C L A Q U E T T E. It's for the Mac. Mm. It's in the Mac app store. It is, um, a very, uh, low effort way to record a screencast and create, um, a video file or a GIF slash GIF, um, out of it. And it's, um, really snappy. It works really well. Um, <clears throat> it really makes animated GIFs are actually very heavy. They're not super compressed, and so sure. um, it does a really nice job giving you some options to get that GIF down to a reasonable size. Uh, really, really cool app, um, and it's like five bucks. The second thing is uh, Kiwi SDR, so that's K-I-W-I-S-D-R. KiwiSDR.com is a website where you can purchase a uh, software-defined radio. Which is like a, and it's like a a cape, I guess. BeagleBone has a cape where uh, Raspberry Pi has a hat and Arduino has a what? <laughs> what is Arduino's? It's a shield. Shield, yes. So BeagleBone has a cape and the QBSDR is a software-defined radio and a GPS in one. And a lot of people use it for shortwave listening. And what's cool is you can then use the BeagleBone to host a web server of your shortwave radio And so what they've created is this group of people who have um, internet, live internet shortwave radios from around the world. And, you know, shortwave radio, you can listen to something in Illinois or in Los Angeles, but you may not be able to hear that same station in, say, Belgium or Iceland or or Mm -hmm. Argentina. But with a web page filled with other people's shortwave radios, you can tune into different shortwave stations all around the world just by clicking on a link um it's a super cool super cool idea and really cool project
1: red dude
0: yeah it's really neat taylor that's my stuff
1: all right yeah uh i think i unloaded it all so same looking forward to next time we got some more folks in the hopper to reach out to and uh more of just a you and me uh traveling i i like to imagine that it's nighttime when we record but it almost never is yeah yeah it used
0: to be and now it's now it's not
1: it's i so. mi- i miss the late ones and i don't man i would come out of those and just disintegrate onto the floor <laughs> yeah yeah yeah
0: it also it felt like we were in the bunker kind of you know like we were yeah. in like uh like a secret radio uh communications station or something
1: i mean it's kind of that way now with um um lockdown and everything so. it is it really yeah. is yeah ouch I can do this thing, particularly when I'm listening to music where I sort of, it's like flexing a muscle in my brain and then I get uh, goosebumps and this like really weird kind of rushing sensation in my chest. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And I, I was wondering, is that ASMR? But I don't think it is. I think that's something else. And I've oh, never been yeah. able to find somebody else that knew what I was talking about. Hmm. Maybe you, dear listener, can do the same thing. Wait, let me do it right now. Yeah, it's, it's, it, it feels like if I keep doing it, I'm going to have a heart attack. But if um <laughs> it's like Wait, it's kind of you hard just, to maintain can you describe it again yeah it's like um here hang on let me do it it definitely radiates from my sternum okay and it feels like like i have to make a really active choice to do it to kind of turn it on and it feels like i'm pushing or flexing a muscle although i can't identify any part of my body that's actually moving when that happens. Whoa. And then it's sort of a sensation that radiates out through my entire body and it feels kind of good, but it also feels like I might be giving myself a heart attack.
0: How do you make it happen?
1: I just, I just have to, it's, it's kind of like telling, like, have you ever read about somebody that's an amputee and they're trying to learn mm-hmm. how to use a new thing with a, like a brain interface? Yeah. Because clearly if you and I think about moving our hand, it doesn't move, Yeah, but But at the same time, there is some kind of thought, Mm -hmm, like a mm -hmm. subconscious level thought that makes it go, right? Yeah. And so it's kind of like the difference between those two things, like um, to make it go, I just have to make it go, but I can't really describe, and it never ever happens by itself, right? It would like, it's, it's so hard to describe, Uh (laughs) but I guess it's the kind of thing where you just put that weirdness out into the world and maybe someone emails and they're like, oh shit, I could do that.